Hello, Brave Ones. This is Heather Vickery. Welcome to this week's episode of the Brave Files podcast. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I first met Nick North through a mutual friend. So shout out to Mary if you're listening. Hey, hey. Um, Nick has an incredible story to tell, and I chose specifically this week to share it. We've just passed Father's Day, which they celebrate in many different parts of the world. As an American, I must be honest, I really thought it was a uniquely American holiday, but I happened to be in Paris this past weekend, and I realized that they celebrate Father's Day there, and I noticed on Instagram that they celebrate in in the UK. So I'd be curious to know, listeners from all over the world, is Father's Day something uh, you celebrate where you live? Send me a message and let me know. I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a little shout out to the men in my life, the two men that I call dad, and also the father of my children, who is an incredible parent. Uh, my girls are so lucky to have him as their father, and he's a great co-parent. So shout out to him. What I wanted to tell you briefly before we jump into this week's episode is, you know, part of the work that I do here is to challenge stereotypical norms. And Nick North has a really beautiful story of coming into his fatherhood. And I wanted you all to remember that there are a lot of different ways to become a dad. It's not just what you've always been taught or told, and that we want to look at the world with bright new open eyes and be willing to understand and accept all sorts of differences and different ways to be whatever and whomever it is that your heart tells you you are. I hope you enjoy the episode. If you love it, which we really hope you do, please take a moment and consider becoming a patron on our Patreon page. We are trying to get 125 patrons in the first three months. We are about a month in. I have 23 patrons as of right now. It would mean the world if you would go and check it out. And for as little as $4 a month, you can make a really big difference in helping us continue to do this extraordinary work. You can visit it, patreon.com slash brave files. Again, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash brave files. Here is this week's episode with Nick North. I hope you enjoy it. And I encourage you to have a dialogue with me. Let me know what you think. Send me messages, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, emails, and let me know what your thoughts are. And uh, let's, let's have a lot of conversation and community around this. So here's the episode. Brave, messy, and ordinary. You are listening to The Brave Files, real stories from people living courageously. You can listen to the show anywhere you enjoy podcasts, and we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference, and we appreciate it. Now, here's your host, Heather Vickery. Hello, listeners. It's Heather Vickery. Happy Thursday. Okay, so today's guest is Nick North. He's a husband, a grouchy dad to five kids, got me beat by one, and a branding strategist. He also has a history of being a woman a wife, a mom who birthed four children, and a photographer. When Nick embraced his identity and came out as transgender, he realized just how much gender affects the way we think, talk, sell, and function. Now he speaks from his experience on both sides of the gender coin, actually, empowering both men and women to live authentically and powerfully while also making more money following their passion in their gut. Who doesn't want to do that? I love it. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. 
I've been looking forward to this. So we were introduced by a mutual friend, Mary. I hope you're listening. Say, hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. <laughs> Holla. Holla, Mary. Um, no, so I was really, really excited to, to meet you. And I love your bio. I was just telling you before we hit record that typically I write my own intro. Just so if those of you listening don't know this, I typically write my own. But Nick's intro was so good. I just had to use it as is. So... Well done. Well, I am a branding strategist. This, there so. you go. Tiny plug. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as a me, as a mother who's given birth to four children, we have a lot in common and yet. And yet not so much There's in some common. differences. Um, can you share a little bit about your life prior to transitioning? Give everybody a little background about who you were then? Yeah. So I was born in Oshawa, Ontario. It's a small GM <laughs> town that just lost their plant. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the doctors looked at me and they were like, it's a girl. And we were too poor to hand out cigars. So probably, you know, we just spears <laughs> or something instead. I don't know. But you know that like they handed out pink cigars and did that whole thing. And and then I realized as a kid that I was like, oh, wait, I'm not a girl. But then turns out that everyone else around me kept telling me I was. And so I played the girl card and I realized like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. This doesn't feel right, but I'm in it. And this is what everyone keeps telling me I have to do. And it just sort of is what it is. And here we are. And so I, I was a girl and I was like, tried my very best at it. I, <laughs> I wore nail polish and I plucked my eyebrows and I married the nicest guy I could find and had kids and did the stay at home mom, the work at home mom, the whole like the whole yeah. kid and caboodle. And then I realized that I was incredibly sad and empty and lonely deep down inside and uh, fell in love with my best friend. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, uh -huh. um, you fell in love with your best friend. So your wife, Catherine, um, yes. and, and we're going to talk about her uh, a little bit later or mm -hmm. about your relationship a little bit later. Yeah. Um, when you, and, and I know more than the listeners do, so I'm mm -hmm. prompting you here. When you realized you were in love with your best friend, where were you in your life? I was married. I was pregnant with my fourth <laughs> child. Actually, I was, when I, I, I could admit that I was in love with my best friend and when I realized I was in love with my best friends are, are two different. Oh, fair enough. I could ad admit it after I had had the child and there it was. <laughs> but before that, it was like, oh, I'm in love with her, but it's okay. She's clearly straight. She, it's mm -hmm. safe. It, like I can be in love with this friend. And my whole life I had been in love with my best friends and they had, right. you know, and then I'd like date their little brother instead or uh, you know, some sort of version of be cl being close to them until they'd get a boyfriend and then we'd, there'd be some rift in the friendship and we'd right. move on and, you know. Yeah. But she was, it was, she was safe to fall in love with because she was, I thought, I thought straight. And, <laughs> and why did you think she was straight? Because she had a daughter with a man in a previous relationship mm -hmm. and Been she- there, done that. Ben, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and she's Ben looking and I just, her parents are Christian missionaries and we had just, sex had always been this thing that like, even though she was one of my very best friends, had just always been off the table. And I just assumed from the way that she looked and mm -hmm. moved through the world that she was straight. Mm -hmm. And so it was totally safe for me to fall in love with her because it was never going to go anywhere until all of a sudden I was like, oh, I am in love with her. And she was like, well, you know, I'm 
pansexual, right? Like I, <laughs> I'm like, oh. And so I was like, I'm going to have to leave my husband and, you know, turn my life upside down. And she was all like, well, I don't, I'm not saying that you should do that, but if, and when you do, I'm, and you're taking suitors, I'd like to be the first in line. Okay. And so she was, she was interested. She was right there. She was right there and interested. And so I changed my life and it was messy and it was like, it's like the hardest thing in the world to do to go and be like, Oh, you know, this 12 year marriage we've had in the four Uh children. Um, (laughs) It's not your fault. You can't, you didn't do anything wrong. And yet I'm about to change your whole life. Yeah. And I've had that exact conversation, 12 years, four kids, that part I get. Now you first came out as lesbian, right? Mm -hmm. You went from straight to to lesbian. It was, you know, baby steps. Uh, Yeah. To the queer, the rainbow. (laughs) We've had other guests who are like, I had one foot in one letter and one foot in another. Yeah. Um, So what was that? Well, first of all, okay. So many questions. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always find this question fascinating because I've had, this is also my story and yet everyone's story is different. So telling your spouse of 12 years and the other father of your four children that you wanted out, that it wasn't his fault. How does that go over? Not well. And I didn't do it well. It turns out they really should write a handbook for how to leave your spouse for a woman. <laughs> That's a thing that they should Maybe do. Maybe you people. and I could write that together. You write that because I screwed it up 100%. I didn't do the thing where I was like, it's not your fault. I first did the, well, first I did the, it's not, I did the like, it is your fault. I'm unhappy. This marriage doesn't work. And then I did the like, actually I'm gay. And then when that wasn't enough, I was like, I'm gay and it is your fault. And like, it's- (laughs) You made me gay, no. (laughs) Like, it wasn't that he made me gay. It was that like, I'm unhappy in our relationship. Yeah. And I'm gay. It had to be both because he wasn't willing to let, he was like, no, we can make this work because his whole life was in the balance and he felt completely out of control because he was completely out of control. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a say in how his life was going to turn upside down. And, and that's a really vulnerable place to be in. It is. It is. Now, our stories vary. They differ because what I heard you say was that you always felt, did you know you were attracted to your best friends? Or was that in retrospect, like, oh, that's what that was? Or did, was there a realization? There was definitely some realization and denial and realization and denial okay. and realization and like talking myself out of it. And okay. I grew up, I grew up not Christian. But I like had a, you know, sort of crappy home life. And so I found the church in junior oh. high and found Jesus. You found uh, it. Like you were just uh, taking a walk and you tripped and you were like, walk. whoa, what is that Someone thing? Someone hit me with a yeah. Bible and I was like, <laughs> oh, this feels good. And actually my first husband, we met at church and oh. you know, his family's very Christian. <laughs> we both left the church like a long, long time ago. It's not like this, I, I didn't, you know, leave my marriage and Christianity at the same time. Those were like a decade apart. Okay. Okay. But I think part of the reason was that like, no, it wasn't like there was petitions against gay marriage. It wasn't safe to be gay and be Christian. And I didn't have a good home life. So my, like my family was the church. Yeah. That, that's why I, like, it wasn't about yeah. Jesus. It was about the, the family and community of the church. I get that. I am curious, first of all, did it, what did it feel like to you to be a mother of four? Did that feel natural for you? Was that a... I always was a mom a little bit different than most. So when you think about 
moms, you think about nurturing and quietness and, and like soft moments and things like that. And I, and you think about dads and you think about the guy that's playing on the floor and throwing the kids around and doing all that stuff. And I was sort of a hybrid. I didn't ever fit into that, like gentle, Oh, come here and just tell me all your feelings. But I also, I, I didn't fit into the dad stereotypes that are out there either. I just was a, a much, but I liked being a mom. I love yeah. being a parent. That's the, okay. like being a mom was the one part of being a woman that I was good at. I was great at having like these little tiny humans to love and nurture and like shape into something and to hold and smell and uh, all of it, you know, like that was the best part for me. Um, yeah. And it was the hardest thing to feel worried about giving up. Yeah. So I, I can feel that I, that would, that would be very difficult for me. I've never had gender dysphoria, but Mm -hmm. I do love being a mother. So how is being a father, if at all different from being a mother was, or your relationship with your children? So I think this is the, this is the hang up, right? Is that like everyone, everyone knows that, that, that women's unconscious bias is that mothers are better than fathers, right? <laughs> and like the universe, Absolutely. typically there's, <laughs> there is data and there is proof, there's contact bias that we have picked up all around us that states that moms are the better parent. They're the <laughs> superior parent, right? That's the like social messaging on TV. Dad's the, the butt of the joke, but also the provider, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and mom is the better parent. The, they just have their roles. And so it's hard to give up the spot as the better parent. That's like, <laughs> that's a thing that's hard to give up. But do, is my relationship actually any different with my children? Not even the slightest. It's the yeah. exact same. Yeah. Is my perceived relationship with my children different? Is the way that everyone else treats me around my kids different? A hundred percent. I am the most attractive man at the school at any given time, <laughs> not because I am you know, good looking, but because I am there at pick up and drop off and I show up to the field. And that's hot. Yeah. Yeah. I am just as act, everything that I would have like, you know, when you have your, you don't as a mom and you go to drop off and you're like, wait, where, why are you wearing that outfit? What happened to the clothes (laughs) that I dressed you in this morning? And Mm -hmm. we're like, what, why are you wearing mismatching shoes? The shoes were both at the front door. How did this happen? Like we're, (laughs) why are you not wearing underwear? Like whatever the thing is that mm-hmm. like has happened and you know that all everyone around you is judging you as a mom, you can do that exact same thing as a dad and literally people are commending you for even showing up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. We have some great, um, I, no, I don't know that they're actually stay-at-home dads, but dads that do drop off and pick up either yeah. way. I don't know what they necessarily do in between school hours, but for sure. And then, you know what they never get? They never get the emails inviting the kids to the birthday parties. Those emails always go to mom, and then the kid never shows up at the party because in this family, mom doesn't look at the emails. It's dad. And, they don't yeah. know. and it's hilarious. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Like- it's just a different, there's a different standard. And so I am looked at as like the gold fucking star of being a parent, of being a dad. I'm just literally doing the same things I did when I was a mom. Right. I'm actually doing less because my my wife also is a work at home okay. person and we so share, share it. 
Right. Whereas my, my ex-husband worked 50 plus hours a week. And mm -hmm. so we didn't share it. So I actually am doing less than what I was doing then. And I get way more credit. That's so fascinating to me. Are you out? I mean, at school, do they know? Yeah. Everyone at school yeah. knows. I, you know, I don't, I would definitely say that it's not like everyone in the world knows, but anyone that's like close to our kids would know. Our principals know, the teachers know. Our kids are like, you know, my dad, he used to be my mom, but now he's my dad. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, <laughs> I love your kids. Like they just, they, they don't have a story about whether it's right or wrong. It's just facts for them. They're that's like, right. yeah, you can be whoever you want to be. I love oh, that. Right? Because I mean, it is just facts. They're just facts. It's yeah. just facts. Um, How old are your kids? So the oldest is 12. She's in sixth grade, mm -hmm. about to jump into middle school next year. And the youngest mm -hmm. is four and he's in daycare. Yeah. Sort of thing. And then yeah. there's a five, nine and 10 year old in between. Those are, yeah, mine were close. I mean, it's the same thing. I have six, nine, 12, but almost 13 and 14. So yeah. similar mm -hmm. patterns. I think we figured that out when we connected before. That yeah. The, spacing was very similar uh have fun it's gonna be school. good times no, no. <laughs> <laughs> my oldest kid is hands down socially my easiest and so in many ways i feel like i'm getting a a very uh gentle <laughs> ease in and still yeah and still check with me next year yeah. when she's in middle school and let me know how that's going <laughs> how that's going because yeah, you need a thick skin to get through middle school i'm just saying Whew, yeah um Okay, so you and your wife, Catherine, recently won a grant to make a documentary. Maybe not so recently now. I don't know where you are in this process. Tell us about the Beautiful Families Project and your documentary and what's yeah. happening because it's so, really cool. The big thing that we, in, in my coming out and in my transition, um, the big thing that people would ask would be like, but what about the kids? And yeah. we were like, you're right. We didn't think about that. <laughs> they just take all of my money, food and free time. I forgot <laughs> to remember that they existed and planned for this. Like, of course we planned for the kids. And they were like, but isn't it going to just turn their life upside down? I'm like, literally no. Like the kids were like, well, will you grow a beard? I'm like, well, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, why did you wait so long? Like, well, it was scary. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. Uh, can I eat this pepperoni now? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, that's it. Okay. Like those were the big, they, what do I call you? Was like a little bit later. And then whatever you want to. What do they call okay. you? They call me dad. Okay. Um, they started by calling me. We were like, you can call me mom forever. If that's like, I am the same person to them and they're in charge of my relationship with them. I am not in charge of who, of, what they call me and who they call me. And they, I was like, but you, it might end up being a little weird for you when I look more like I do now um, yeah, rather than then. And, you know, people are like, oh, why are you calling that guy mom? That might be strange. So you might want to try on different things, but it's totally your call. And, you know, they called me like the 10 the year old called me Mappa for a while, like the mom and Papa. Yeah. Um, they go to French immersion. And so they called me Papa for a while. They called me father only in a Darth Vader voice for a while. <laughs> and that like, probably by the two week mark in, they were like, they just called me dad. It was okay. just the easiest, happiest thing for them when they're trying to differentiate, you know, it's daddy Nick or daddy Chris, or they'll say my other dad, mm. if we're there with one versus the other, it sure. really isn't like, it's not a hard thing for us. It's nice. 
think it lovely. was probably hard for my ex to have to share the dad title. Yeah. You know, because at first I was like, I'm a lesbian. Look, it'll be great. You'll never have an, another man try and take over <laughs> your role. And then I was Except like, oh, actually, me. just I am. I'm just going to try and take that. But I <laughs> I very much am not trying to take it. I am sharing it with him. Yeah. And he's honestly, he's he's been amazing. Like he is great in every way. I'm so glad to hear that. Couldn't be more grateful. How yes, often are the kids with you? I know I want to get to the documentary yeah. and then I got sidetracked, but how often are the kids with you versus with him? So it is a 50-50 split. They start school every Sunday night. They come home to us and they stay with us until Wednesday morning. Okay. And every Wednesday morning they go to school and daycare. And after school and daycare, they go to him. Okay. And then Friday morning, they go to school and daycare. And then depending on the weekend, the weekend they switch back and forth. That's how so we do it mostly too. Yeah. It's like a two, two, five, five. 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 That's what it's, That's called. What it's yeah. called. A two, two, five, five. Yeah. And it works for us. Cause it's great. Cause then you always have like Wednesday and Thursday night. I can have a class if I want to. I can, yeah. I can plan my life. I like it better. And then it's not like a whole week of time that you're missing with your kids. Yeah. And don't you find, I know that I find that my time with the kids is so much more present mm-hmm. because I'm not with them all the time. And I'm not that no matter what, if you are the primary care providing parent, no matter what gender, if yeah. any, you assign yourself with, it's exhausting. And you're kind of like, let's just put them to bed. I can't mm-hmm. wait until bedtime. But when you don't have them all the time, you get to really enjoy that time together. You get to really miss them. Yeah. Right. I think so. But yes. I totally agree. Absolutely. Documentary. Where Documentary. <laughs> was. So we, we realized that like all families are beautiful. Yes that every family has something that makes them different. That um, we were sitting at this rainbow gala for uh, a nonprofit that I work with. And the, there's these kids on stage who are all trans and they're, you know, it's their parents and it's them and it's, it's adults who have transitioned and it's just mm-hmm. a different, you know, a different cross section of trans folks. And they're saying the biggest thing that the parents are saying is like, I was just so scared that no one would love my child. And my, the kids were saying, I'm like, I just, I just was so scared that no one would love me. And, the, and, and the, all of the messages was the same, was that the, the big takeaway was that like as trans folks, our biggest fear is that we can't be loved, that we're too broken, that we're too different, that, we, that there's something too wrong about us, that we can't love ourselves. So how could anyone else ever love us? And that's not for all trans folks, for sure. Right, Everyone right. has their own narrative and their own story. But it is definitely something that, that as a community we struggle with. And right. my wife and I were sitting at this table with three of our children and we were just like, oh, but like we have so much love. And she was just like, I like I they will find so much love. Look like look at our table. And we decided that it was time to show people that you can be trans and you can have a beautiful fucking life. Yeah. That it doesn't have to be about the narrative of like, you can be trans and you can be a sex worker or you can be trans right. and you can be on, you know, CSI and end up murdered. You can be trans and be a security guard at a mall. Like those are the narratives that we have of trans folks, or you can be an actress or you can be an advocate. You can be Aiden Dowling. You can be Laverne Cox. You can right. be those people, but you can't just be an everyday regular Happy. normal boring, happy trans person who is loved and we call BS. Yeah. So we clearly you can be right. Like, and so we, we applied for this 
this grant and we won a $50,000 grant to make a 20 minute short doc. Okay. That's amazing. That's amazing. So we're like three quarters through. We've submitted our fine cut uh, yesterday. So in mid-July, it will come out. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Mm. And that's when we are, I, that's when we're going to be airing this episode so people can check it out. Where will they find it? So they will find it online. Um, it'll probably be on YouTube and Vimeo. And it is, the grant is by Story Hive, which is a Canadian company. They support artists and filmmakers in Western Canada. Okay. And so it'll be on their platform and our platform. Well, we can put it on the show notes. If it's on YouTube, I can just link right yeah. to it so you can all go watch it right now, which is amazing. What's the the funniest thing that you all do as a family? Like what are your silly traditions? Our silly traditions. We have a lot of traditions. We have a trimming of the tree. Of course. Chocolates tradition, okay. which means that when you decorate the Christmas tree, you must eat chocolate. Oh, yeah. We, my kids um, don't even know that's their tradition, but yet that, it is. It's a, yeah, we just, <laughs> anything that you do and you like it, you get to just decide it's, it's a tradition. Yeah, that's man. our belief. Um, and so we have a tradition where instead of saying grace, we all hold hands and we say one, two, three, and we shout hooray at dinner. I love um, that. Because <laughs> we just want to celebrate the fact that like, look, we are here. We have all sat around this table. There are seven of us. It is a feat to get us here. There is food, yes. there is family and company and goodness. And like, look, we're here and we are celebrating of that without having, and like just taking a moment to pause for it without having to make it about some other person blessed us with it. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. We do uh, favorite parts of the day and grateful at dinner. Do you all have a gratitude practice? We do um, low lights and highlights. Okay. And then we also do... If everyone's grouchy, we do <laughs> gratitude speed round and you, we just go around the table and everyone has to say something, but it's like quick, like there's no story. There's yeah. no sentence. It's just one after the other. And we see how long we can keep going with those. Okay. Stopping. Let's, let's play it. Let's okay. do a gratitude speed round. You go first. Uh, my wife. Uh, my partner. The internet. Uh, Zoom. Where we're recording. No story, but still. It's fine. Uh, my dog. The sunshine. Coffee. Ooh. Uh, a warm bath. Mm. See, okay. you win. All of a sudden, I, I had a moment. I had, a, I, I had that little, like, sidestep stutter, so you're like, oh, good. But then... I win the gratitude. You win the gratitude round. game. But like, it's things that you're like, oh, I just am like, this coffee, you're right. This is like the fact that someone brought these beans from Peru yes, and roasted them and that like that <laughs> employs hundreds of people across yeah. the world. And I'm drinking it right now. Feels very like, that's crazy. A hundred years ago, we didn't have access to that. No. And this is really really random, but I was perusing your, uh, Instagram mm -hmm. or maybe it was your Facebook page just before this interview. Mm -hmm. You take your coffee brewing very seriously. Don't you? You are I not a Keurig user. <laughs> I, I am not a Keurig user. No, I believe that if you're not going to make it right, you just shouldn't drink it. <laughs> So, but uh, but Nick's not judging all of you who have you no. Know. But that's just for me. I don't care <laughs> I what you drink. I'm like do your own thing. But I would rather drink one really nice cup of coffee a day. And I drink just if I need something quick, I'll just drink a tea. Mm. 
but I want like a really good cup of coffee. Yeah. And then, but I only want one or two and then I'll just drink tea for my, my quick and dirty. So I say this because there's this really great, very long video. I know that you know it's up there, but for everybody who's listening, um, we'll try to link to it of of your coffee, of your pour over mm-hmm. manifesting itself into reality. You know what? I, I'll make it a, I should make a coffee highlights section of my <laughs> I should do that. I do love a, a really well-made cup of coffee. We have this, um, by the time this airs, we will have already gone to Paris. But while we're recording, I've never been to Paris. Mm-hmm. And we have this French press that my partner and I have talked about taking to Paris with us. It's like this, we've been saving it to use. In, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why that's a thing. But it's a thing. It's like, like it. a, we work towards it, right? Like, oh, we're going to, we're going to manifest this trip. And then we're going to take this and it's going to be fabulous. So, yeah, super. I dig good. it. Uh, But that is, so I really believe in setting goals and giving yourself rewards. Yes. And like, that is the way that you get forward, I think. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So you're full of love. There's lots of good stories. What what was the struggle though? What was really hard to overcome and and how did you get to the other side of that? I mean, it's still a struggle. I think, uh, being part of a marginalized community is a bit of a struggle. Indeed. I often forget that I'm part of a marginalized community because I'm like, oh, I'm just me. It doesn't, I don't think of myself that way. But I struggle with my body. I like, I had top surgery in October and that took a lot of like both physical and mental and emotional yeah. energy out of me. Yeah. It definitely hit harder than I anticipated it. It didn't go as well as I was anticipating. Oh, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, thanks. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, it's just a process. It's everything's messy and everything's, everyone has something that they, that they really like put all their hopes and dreams into and a lot of time into and that you really only get one shot at. And everyone has an experience where that goes like just ass backwards and upside down and not great. And so as much as there's heartache and grief in it, I think And I think that uh, as much as there's like an extra depth and an extra layer to mine, I think that most people can experience that like, or have experienced that sort of heartache and like. Absolutely. I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? Is that we all experience it and there are ways to, to choose bravely. What's it like all of the sudden, it's been a process for you, so it's not Mm -hmm. really all of a sudden, but to become a white man in the United States. Well, I'm in Canada, so. Oh, you're in Canada. I'm up in Canada, Damn but it. my wife is American, so okay. I do spend a fair amount of time in the United States. Okay. So, uh, it well, is, and is it different? Then there's a two. It's a two-parter question. A two-parter is it question. different to be a white man in Canada than it is to be a white man in the United States? Yes. So first, prong. It is really different to step into being a woman from being a woman to being a man. And at first, uh, so I actually didn't identify as a feminist until I was a man. My wife and I had a really in-depth argument about this where I was handed my hat. Uh, And (laughs) it was because I I like her. Right. You should. Uh, I just felt like um, being, I think being Canadian, we are a little just more polite in general. Like our, our basic level of what is acceptable is just a little more polite. That's just a, a difference. And so I don't believe that our misogyny is as overt in Canada as it is in the States. It's still there, but it's not quite as in your face. All right. 
it's a little bit more gaslighty, I think. Oh, well, that doesn't sound great. Got These its own days, problems in general. We all yearn to be Canadian. <laughs> we, it's true. It's we've all you know. It's we, we've got Trudeau, so you know. But half of the country hates the guy. So <sighs> complicated. He um, looks really good to us. It's I'm right. Just... Like I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, but the whole mm, like, where was I going with this? Uh, the whole thing was that I would, I was like, but it's not that different. Like people, I don't think that I've not gotten a job because I'm a woman. I don't think that someone's treated me terribly because I'm a woman. Right. Okay. And then people started treating me like I was a man. And I was like, hold oh. the phone. Yeah. This is an entirely different game. What the hell? And it's, it's, it's not the big, it's not the big things that that men are like, some men are like, well, it's not that different because it's, it isn't in the big overt things. It's in a thousand paper cuts a day. It's in having to justify everything you say and having to explain everything you say. It's having to uh, save your words so you can speak at the right moment so Mm. they can count. It is having to manipulate and play a game and, uh, always be thinking three steps ahead. Whereas as a man, literally now I speak and people stop and they listen. It's I speak infuriating and to me. no one asks me to back up my facts. They don't ask me to source them. They don't ask me to back up my opinions even. They don't, well, why do you feel that way? They just go, oh, okay. Literally people compliment me on how pretty my wife is. And I'm like, really? I didn't have, I had fuck all to do with that. I got to tell you. <laughs> I didn't put her I have on. good taste. I didn't dress her. <laughs> I didn't choose the the food or how much that she ate or the water intake she had. I have nothing to do with her genetic makeup and her hair mm-hmm. colors choices. Like I have nothing to do with the how pretty my wife is. And yet the number of times I am complimented on her beauty and I'm like you should tell her. I got nothing to do with that. Like I don't know. Just wow. All of it. Everything. Wow, the wow, wow. rules are different. If you are a woman and you've been made to feel crazy because you were like, that doesn't feel fair. Those moments where your, your intuition goes, oh, that doesn't feel good. I must be being crazy. You're not. The rules are different. The They're rules different. are different. I mean, I know that. I know that I know that. But hearing you say that, having had both experiences, is uh, shocking almost. And the hard part is, is that they're actually about 10 times worse than you think it is. Because you're not even seeing what people are saying when women aren't in the room. I'm in the locker room now. Oh. I'm the guy on the bus sitting amongst all the jackass 20-year-olds who they think is safe. I fly completely under the radar. I... I, if I chose to be stealth, I could be. I have the privilege of passing 100%. People often think that I am a gay mm. dude because I just, I'm a little more uh, in touch with my feminine side. Sure. I speak with my hands a lot. I cross my legs. I, um, I get down on my, like to a kid's level and speak to them eye to eye. I do the right. things that are seen as more, like that are more socialized as feminine traits. Yeah. They're not feminine traits versus male traits. They're just the way that 
we've been socialized that this is what women do and this is what men do. And whether I like it or not, I have 31 years of female <laughs> socialization. And so even when I talk about like, you know, women's issues, I still will accidentally refer to myself as part of them, but not quite so accidentally because I'm still undoing socialization of 30 years. Yeah. You know, I talk a lot about the difference it is in running a business as a woman versus running a business as a man. And um, I talk a lot about how boys are trained to be brave and girls are trained to be perfect, which is actually yes. Brave Not Perfect is a great book by an amazing author named Rushma Sanjani. I think if I'm saying her name okay. right. We'll link she, to that. Um, also wrote the book Girls Who Code and started that movement. Yep. She is friggin' amazing. And her new book is called Brave Not Perfect. And it's the same concept as I, I teach about how bravery requires muscles. That like, yeah. just like it requires practice to get out on a soccer field and kick a ball as far as soccer players kick a ball, which is like not a thing I can do. <laughs> it requires practice to be brave as well. Like everyone thinks like, oh, we'll just, muscles are like physical things. No, all of the things that you, you do, it. if you're a public speaker, you're practicing that yeah. muscle. If yeah. you are a good storyteller, chances are you've been telling stories your whole life, you've practiced that muscle. If mm -hmm. you are a good listener, you've probably been practicing that skill your whole life. Everyone has these skills that they're practicing their whole lives. And bravery is just another one of those muscles. And you can learn you have it. to practice and you, you have to learn it. Yeah. You don't have to have been practicing it your whole life to embrace it. No, you can learn it really quickly. It's just really uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. That's literally why my tagline is everything you really want is just on the other side of uncomfortable. Right. And it, there's science to it. So if you think about our neural pathways, Literally, they are just like roads that our mind sends thoughts and mm -hmm. signal and whatnot for. And so if we have to create a new road that is different, it's like it's like bushwhacking. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> Your yeah. brain is literally doing that. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that yeah. it's not doing that when you're doing something new, when you're trying something brave, when you're pushed out of your comfort zone, you're just making a new path. Absolutely. I love that. It's all, it's all very true. And it's what we talk about every week and all of the different ways that you can do that. Some of my listeners have said, gosh, I, I just never realized that I could be scared and be brave. I'm like, you're, I mean, aren't we almost always still a little, you're still a little scared. I don't you're think just... you can be brave if you're not scared. <laughs> I know, even, right? It's like an oxymoron. It's not actually a brave thing if you're not scared of it. I think that's absolutely on point. Right? I really do. Because you just, if you're not scared of it, then you're not trying to overcome anything. Then you're literally doing a thing that's within your comfort zone. Yeah. That. That's not brave. I love that. So people always say, you're so brave. You came out again and again, and you did this and you did that. And you, you tell your story on the internet and you are so vulnerable. And I always feel like actually the bravest thing I did is none of those things. What the is bravest it? thing I did was get my tattoo because my, huh. my husband forbid me to get it. Oh, oh, forbidden. But not like in a jerky, like I'm the man of the house. It was just like, well, we don't, it was just like, it was this thing that it was like, well, we don't have money for that. And I was like, okay, I can see that there are, we have four children. Like you're, there's always, there's always money to be spent in different places. So I went out and as a photographer, I just mm -hmm. exchanged services with a tattoo shop. I was like, Brilliant. I'll do all the photos for your website and you, whatever I spend on hours, you can give me in tattoo hours 
in exchange. And so all of a sudden I had 10 tattoo hours and I was like, this is fantastic. And he was like, well, you're going to get a bloodborne disease. And, and so no. And I was like, oh, okay, like I'll, I'll finish. Like you can't, I couldn't get a, a tattoo while I was pregnant. So I had to wait. Right. Then I had to like finish nursing and then I, I just did it. And he was like, I don't think you should. And I was like, I don't give a crap. Yeah. And I went and I did it anyway. And it literally, I think that he knew that like me going and doing this thing anyway was going to signify something. And I knew it and both of us knew it. And we were just in this like, you can't do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And I did. And, and no one knew that it was a forbidden fruit. No one knew right. that like it was this big declaration of me being my own person and not being a good girl anymore. Oh yeah. It, it was, it was like the first step and the first step is always <laughs> the bravest, yeah, but it, it actually usually looks like the smallest, most unseen thing. I love that. I'm just going to say that again. So you, you could all go back 20 seconds and listen to Nick say it, but the, I'm not going to get it right. The bravest step or the first step is always the bravest and it looks like the smallest. You just got to start. Just do the first thing. Right. I love that. I love it. If you were to give one piece of advice to anyone actually in a situation where they feel sort of hopeless or stuck or oppressed, one piece of advice, what would it be? Be kind and blunt. Be kind and blunt. And so that means be kind to yourself. Be kind to the people around you as best you can. But only when you can tell the truth. And if it stops mm -hmm. you from telling the truth, you have to be blunt first. There's so many times I feel like in every relationship at where I've gone wrong, whereas I've been trying to save someone else's feelings and I haven't said my truth. And it's ended up making it messier and more complicated and harder. And not, no one gets what they want that way. True. Whereas if I had just said the thing that was true in the kindest way to myself and to others, I would have saved a ton of heartache. And we, so my wife and I, that's our, that's our like marriage model, kind and blunt. And when you can't be kind, you have to be blunt. That's right. And I love that. It, it's our like it's how we go into every communication with everyone now. But if you can't be kind, you have to be blunt because your truth matters more. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. I love it. So you told us about traditions. You told us about gratitude. I love the the gratitude game. How do you all celebrate successes, whether they're really big ones or really small ones? How do you celebrate? So this is a thing that I didn't used to do. I was terrible at celebrating successes, but my wife is a life coach and she is the queen of celebrating successes. <laughs> and so we celebrate a lot of successes. We do things like we have a dance party whenever anyone- That's what I do. It's dance yeah. party. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone gets like a good grade or something, or if they accomplish something they've been trying for- then we have a dance party. We do a lot of milkshakes for success celebration because <laughs> I like milkshakes. Yeah. We do a lot of hooraying. We do a lot of like, we set goals and then we give, we like set a reward for that goal. So it, it's even yep. little things like when the kids have to clean their room, it's like, what is the sweet treat you're going to give to yourself at the end of it? We always give ourselves a hard no thing with a good thing at the end, yeah. because then it is easier to work through the hard things. I couldn't agree more. I love that. 
I'm all about rewards. Any of my clients who've ever worked with me, we start with a reward system first. It just gives you a little, a little sweet motivation. It's like Mary Poppins, right? Spoonful right. of sugar. <laughs> and it's that idea that like, if all we, uh, I think so many of us, what we do is we're, we give ourselves a goal and then we keep moving that goal. Mm-hmm. That the bar, this like, this we never line, get there. It just keeps going yeah. up and up because everyone else around us in the, like, oh, well, there's another, I, I was watching this person on Instagram and they had this thing. So now that's my goal. And once I get that thing, then there's a new Instagrammer who already has this next thing. So that should be my goal. And they don't even stop to celebrate the fact that like, actually they hit their goal. Yeah. They just moved it before, like as they hit it. That's right. As they were about to hit it, they were like, I'll move it and make it harder so I can strive further. And I'm like, oh my nope. goodness. Nope, 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 nope. just feel like a failure literally nonstop. All the time. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's fantastic and the truth. So everybody slow down, make a, achievable goals, celebrate them, and then make new goals. Yeah. Instead of keep pushing yourself. I love it. Nick, what's your favorite charitable organization to support? So I work a ton with a really cool organization called Skipping Stone. It's the Skipping Stone Foundation. They empower youth, uh, trans and gender diverse youth. So they work mostly with kiddos uh, up to the age of 16. And then they have another program for 16 plus until like 24. And then they have another smaller program for 24 and up, but they're all supports for trans folks and their families and their partners. And it's, it's not transitioning is not a singular thing. You know, it is a family thing. Like I transitioned and everyone's lives changed around me too. They had to change what they called me. They had to change how they saw me. They had to change, like my role in our family changed and they needed support too. My wife needed, like her partner went from being a woman to being a man, but she's allowed to have complicated feelings about that. Yeah. You know? And so families need support. I love that. Absolutely. So listeners, I ask you every week, go and learn about the organization. You can find their details on our show notes. Um, If it's not an organization that you can access easily, find one similar um, in your neighborhood, go out, be part of the community. This is what makes us stronger and better and brings us together. So thank you, Nick, for sharing that with us. Will you share your three words one more time, please? Brave, messy, and ordinary. Okay. So we fully talked about brave and I think we talked about messy. Let's talk about ordinary. Yeah. So this one is sort of what the whole concept of beautiful families is about is that every family is beautiful. That every person is beautiful. Like there's, that's a, that's a period stop. There is no, there's no person who didn't start out beautiful. And just right. And just right. And circumstances have happened to them and maybe they've made poor choices, but we all start out perfect and beautiful. And it's the world around us that sort of messes that up. But, mm-hmm. but my, my story isn't really that different from someone else's story. Yes, okay, not everyone has lived in both genders. Not everyone has <laughs> changed their sexual orientation. N- not everyone has done that. But everyone has felt like there's a part of them that no one else understands. Everyone has felt like there's a part of them that they have to hide. Everyone has done something that they felt was just the hardest, most bravest, scariest thing. Every person has something that makes them different from everyone else. Those experiences, those feelings like they don't belong, 
like feeling afraid, like feeling like there's something wrong with them. Those are universal experiences. Yeah. Everyone has this ordinary, messy middle part. I love it. And what I love about it is that listeners, you know, what Nick is saying is that all of those parts that you feel are unusual or strange or uncomfortable, those are your ordinary parts. We are all like that. It's not what sets you apart. It's what makes you like everybody else. Yeah. And I I actually usually challenge people that those are their superpowers. Yes. If I was like, I'm trans and that makes me different and I should hide it because that's weird. I, that would hide a ton of like my very best parts. The fact that I have the true life experience of having lived fully as a woman and then having lived fully as a man, I would be robbing the world of that experience if I hid it. Yeah, and absolutely. whatever thing it is that makes you different, it also is the thing that lets you see the world differently from everyone else. And that is your superpower. That is your, your different perspective is like the very best thing that everyone has is the way that just they can see the world through their experience. That's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Nick, thank you so much for being here with us. This has been fun. We've just talked about like everything. We threw the baby in with bathwater. All the things. <laughs> All of them. All the things. But I love it. Listeners, so many wonderful takeaways. But but do the thing. Just get started and know that, yeah, that what, what makes you unique is also what makes you ordinary and what makes you special. And we need it. The world needs it. So um, today and always, I encourage you to go out and choose bravely, whatever it is, big and small. Nick, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you next week. This is Heather Vickery. Choose bravely. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks. Check it out for yourself and get your 30-day free trial, including one free audiobook. Simply visit audibletrial.com slash thebravefiles and voila, free audiobooks. What could be better than that? Thank you for listening to The Brave Files. Be sure to visit thebravefilespodcast.com to access the show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. Music composed and produced by Matt Lewis of Union Music, LLC. Special thanks to our editor and audio mix expert, Andrew Olson. I am eternally grateful for all that he does to make each week sound so fantastic. You can hear more of Andrew's work at findandrewolson.com.